Well, if you've still got your Bibles open to um, Psalm 123, I wanted to um, have a look at some of the key elements in this, um, in this psalm with you. It's a psalm of ascent. And what they mean by that, there's basically three of them, 121, 22, and 23, that were traditionally sung as pilgrims walked up the rather steep incline up to the city or large town of Jerusalem. And on the hill in the center of that town was the temple. And these were songs of lament, songs of encouragement that they would sing as they traveled up that up that track and up that road through the through the city and up to the actual temple. And this is a song that's asking God for mercy, for forgiveness, for abundance in the face of opposition. You can see that the last half of this psalm is this cry for mercy. Have he repeats it twice, have mercy on me, Lord, have mercy. And it's not because he wants forgiveness, but he says, I have no end of contempt coming from these arrogant and proud people. He's been, we would say, being put down all the time would be another way we might express it um, in our more modern Australian language. But the singer looks up at the, at the start there in verse 1, doesn't he? He says, I lift up my eyes. He looks up. God is high above. He's outside this world. He looks up to those who are enthroned in heaven. He's the king of heaven. God is the maker of mankind. He alone is the source of mercy. God is above. He's other. He's not like us. And this one sentence, I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven, it summarizes why it is to God we call out to for mercy. When Jesus spoke to a um, rather large crowd on the hills just above the Sea of Galilee, just outside Capernaum and Nazareth, he gave them instructions on reinterpreting the New Testament. And one of them was, he says, I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne. And then he goes on, but he's directly quoting one of the Psalms of David. It's God, the Lord of Lord, who sits on the throne in heaven. So this is why the psalmist here is saying, I lift up my eyes to you, to you, or he's saying to God who sits enthroned in heaven. And the imagery in verse 1 is this imagery of distance, isn't it? There's majesty enthroned on high in heaven above all. The guy has to tip his head back to see that. It's that Imagery of separation. So what's the psalmist's focus? And he uses here in verse 2 a rhyming twin to reinforce the single-minded focus of the psalmist they have on their God. And it's the focus of a slave on their master. This is really problematic for me, I really got to admit. I mean... Almost 
all of my ideas about slaves and masters come from novels, novels and movies. I have no personal experience at all. And all of those images are tainted with brutality, degradation. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not coercion. Um, but that's not the picture that the psalmist is painting here. If you read through, read this again, the picture is about anticipation, single focus, an unswerving single focus to watch, to anticipate what the will of their master is. You can see the, the twin rhyme in it. There's the slave, there's the handmaiden, there's the master, there's the mistress. There's the slave, there's the handmaiden. I've, I've mentioned that before. So it's, it's saying the same thing twice to re-emphasize the, the significance, the importance of this. And I, I thought to myself, how do I even identify with this? And um, ah, look, at years and years and years ago, when I was a very young man, I spent a lot of time breaking in and handling horses. It's probably one of the most rewarding skills and things I've done, I would say. And hey, I found my wife, Jenny, because I could handle horses. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, there is really, really something very cool about training a 600 to 800 kilo animal to just want to be with you and want to do what you ask of them. And you can train them to respond to your touch, to your voice, to pressure. And if we've got this, I've got a video I want you to watch right now. It's only, it's only for a minute or two. So have a watch at this video. It's very simple. It's got really bad music. Sorry about that. It just shows a woman train this horse just to her hand movements. Just have a look. Never touched that horse, but it just wanted to do what she wanted to do, what she asked of it. When you watch that video, which character did you identify with? There's only two, so it's not difficult. We naturally identify with the human, don't we? We're in control. We're human. But in the context of this psalm, we're the horse. Our only focus 
is to do the will of our master. Filter out all the distractions. The other horses at the very background in that, the dog running around, the really bad music, not being concerned with our own comfort, not being going to our own schedule, just being entirely focused on the will of the master. And the only other image I have in my mind is going out to the Harveys, and they've got these dogs that want to chase sticks all the time. And, you know, if you watch them, they don't look at you, they just look at that stick. They are just entirely focused on that stick, and they will do it for hours. Um, and it's that, that is the imagery that the psalmist has got here. The handmaiden doesn't even look at the eyes of her mistress. She's not even to see if she flicks them. She's just looking for the hand movement. And she's often gone, ready to do the will of her mistress. What does it look like to have a single focus to do what Jesus calls you to do? My mother and father, Jack and Harriet Buster, while they're farming near Burke, they were approached by a couple of men to start a monastery or a commune or a training center on their farm for young men and women to come and be challenged about their life, walk with Jesus. They decided to get on board. And this is back in the late, very late 70s. And they put some money together. They built some very, very basic accommodation, converted some buildings on the farm for some um, teaching facilities and stuff and got started. A few years later down the track, um, my father could realize that just working for labor wages wasn't going to keep be sustainable. And he wanted to have the center become one of the business partners in the actual farming partnership. At that time, we, um, I had an uncle that had, we'd borrowed some money from, and he was financially helping us out of a situation we'd got ourselves into. And he said, he said, this is crazy. You just should not do this. It'll break you. Um, you know, in town, I, I still remember, you know, the reputation was we had a commune on our farm. It was all free sex drugs and rock and roll and drugs were being grown out there. Um, you know, we were accused of profiting from them. It was free farm labor that we weren't paying for. They were there for 28 years and um, they finally moved to another town. We were left with a cleanup bill. We were left with mixed feelings. It wasn't the easiest of separations. We were left with a really large hole in our lives. And my parents were left with the joy of contributing to over 400 people, being challenged to take the claims of Jesus seriously. We had some good friends, Graham and Joanne. They came out to this centre in Burke with six kids on the, from Queensland on the promise of a house to live in and biblical training. They lived in two caravans for two years. I, I still think back and I can't believe it. 
And then they, they went away for a couple of years um, with some other young people from this center. And then they came back to Burke and they bought a house. And, and Graham was a, a builder and um, worked in town for quite a few years. He trained First Nation apprentice builders in Burke for quite a few years. He got broken into 12 times. I just can't imagine what that means to know that your house is not secure. Um, raised a family. I've got four stories, so that's, that's the second one. The third story, I've got two friends here in Griffith, Viv and Mel. And they saw a need for a young mums group in Griffith, a place for young mums to meet, connect, socialise with their young children. So they started a group. And they're meeting now with people that are desperate for friendship but have no linkages to any church. It takes their own personal time away from their families to plan and to organize and to run this. It costs them their own cash to make it work. It takes humility for them to ask to use others' space when they don't know what the results will be. And my fourth story is about this lady called Mary that we find in the New Testament. She's the mother of Jesus, and she had a choice to make. To follow the will of God's hand or to be safe. She chose to follow God's will. Immediately lost her reputation. She's young, pregnant, and unmarried in a small little Jewish village. She gained a husband. She thought she was losing her son tried to pull him out of what he was doing because she thought he was, he was getting lost in mental instability. And then she watched her son die before she, she died, watched him killed as a criminal. What will it look like for us here, now, this year, to be single-focused, to do the will of Jesus? Paul a follower of Jesus, wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament. So many of them, he starts out in those letters with, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, what will it look like for you and I to use that phrase? Daniel, a servant of Jesus Christ. Lynn, a servant of Jesus Christ. Dulcie. A servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to name all of you, just a few people that I've, <laughs> I've looked at. What will that look like? And I'd put to you, it will take humility on our part. Because being a slave is never about the slave, is it? It's always about the master. What master would give their plans to a slave? It will take humility. You probably won't know how it will work out, whatever decisions he calls on you to do. You'll just have to trust Jesus with the outcome. And it very possibly might not work out how you thought. To be single-focused on doing the will of Jesus, you will probably have to call out, like the psalmist does in verse 3, have mercy on me, Lord, have mercy. I'm 
down here with no end of contempt to what I have to endure. Because you will not be understood. The other thing I think it will take for us to be single focused on the will of Jesus is it will be an adventure. Because it will take you to trust Jesus, your master. And situations will unfold that you would never have guessed and never have imagined or thought would happen. Think of what God did with Jesus. See, you've got an entire Jewish nation that is waiting for the Messiah. For over 2,000 years, they are waiting for the Messiah to come. And they know it will be a man. He will be from the, from the lineage of David. He will be a king, and he will save their nation. God has a baby show up in a manger out the back of whoop-whoop Bethlehem that nobody knows about. And then this young man grows into adult and he says, I'm not just the Messiah, I'm God. I, God has come to you. And they just did not see that coming. And what an adventure. What an adventure they've been on. Nobody saw it coming. And I am guessing if you will have a single focus on doing the will of Jesus, you will meet people that you never would have thought that you would be involved with. And I'm guessing that you will probably be asked to be in situations and to do things that you just do not think you have the capacity for. Because so often the master is about doing, having his will done, not what's convenient and safe for a slave. The other third thing is it will cost you. It'll very definitely probably cost you your reputation. It'll probably cost you your assets, your security, and very possibly your friends. Very most likely you'll be ridiculed for making poor business decisions. And you'll be ridiculed for being different. Because who even understands in our culture what it means to put yourself as subservient to someone else's will and to only be focused on doing their will. And you'll definitely be misunderstood by those who want to maintain their reputation. Will you be single focused? Will you be ready to do the will of Jesus with no distractions? Will you take on the label that Paul and Jude gave to themselves a servant of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, let us not just be readers of your word, but doers of it. May we be tuned to your will, ready to do, trusting you with the results. Amen. Amen. 